I have the feeling always artists like want to get influenced by the past and I don't understand because we should look at forward like it's it's in general like for politics for everything and uh, also for me it was really important so to work with like new artists to get some fresh air. <laughs> Hey streamers and dreamers, I am Kike Lomo and you are listening to another episode of The Week by Telecom Electronic Beats. It's Thursday the 23rd of November and this is your weekly update on music, culture and what's next. To kick things off, here is our top headline, but stick around after the deep dive for the other news that matters this week. Replacing iPhones with AI pins. Stop scrolling, start pinching. That's the pitch from Humane, a company that is preparing to release the AI PIN. The PIN is a small wearable device that can make calls, send texts, play music, take photos and translate conversations in real time, all without a screen. Instead, you control everything just with your voice and a tap or, the craziest option, by using a tiny laser that projects images and menus onto the palm of your hand. You can change the display by making a pinching motion with your fingers. It's very sci-fi with all the usual questions. How do you know when someone else is recording or filming? How does the AI that can read and summarize your DMs affect your privacy? If you're tired of looking at your phone screen, does looking at a video on the palm of your hand sound any better? And does anyone really want to wear a listening device around you all the time? The AI pin is part of an ongoing trend towards wearable tech and the mainstreaming of augmented reality, but I'm still unsure. It's fascinating to read about the company's emphasis on the pin's sound, though, an essential feature when so many of the features rely on verbal and audio cues. As for knowing when you're recording, the stickers used to cover people's phone cameras at Berlin clubs are just going to get smaller and smaller. It sometimes feels like a lot of music lovers can be a bit old school. For how future forward so much of dance music and club culture claims to be, many people in these scenes can actually be quite conservative and pessimistic about new developments and the pace of change. Music, clubbing, parties and tech are always evolving and people can easily get stuck in their old preferences and attitudes without being so open-minded about the next generation's opinions or experiences. And the nostalgic, back in my day, isn't the most convincing argument for how things should work. I sometimes feel that way when it comes to the usage of smartphones in clubs. But despite the age gaps of experience, there is a lot we can learn from other generations, older and younger. It all comes down to the way we choose to talk to, engage with and understand each other, whether the subject is music, clubbing, life lessons and beyond. Someone who has made that generational exchange key to her work is DJ Anitha. She's from Bordeaux in the south of France and she's been making music for more than a decade. She just released a new compilation on her own label Mama Tolja, which aims to support young, upcoming artists. She makes the same commitment with her agency called Mama Loves Ya. And those references to motherhood already say a lot about how Anitha thinks about her artist journey. So we figured she would be the perfect guest to talk about how intergenerational understanding and exchange works in dance music, the positive potential, its limitations, and how family values work in practice in a competitive industry. My co-host Otto Kent called Anitha at her home in Bordeaux in the south of France. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, I think it's rare that when we get a call in for the show that it fits so thematically with what we're going to talk about. But since you're at home and we are going to talk about 
home-like things. We're going to talk about family and generations and moms and all of that kind of stuff. It, it's fitting that you're cozy at home right now. Yeah, it's perfect. It's the vibe. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me a little bit about what it was like growing up. What what was uh, what was your home like growing up? Bordeaux is not uh, a city for electronic music, I would say, but uh, it's like it was pretty good for um, music in general, like uh, rock and um, uh, more electro clash or like it's obviously more rock and roll city. But uh, there were a lot, lot of uh, venue to go and um, yeah, I grow and I went out a lot uh, and my parents were really into electronic music and they were like uh, uh, listening a lot of um, uh, techno minimal uh, back in the day. So for me, it was uh, obvious to do something uh, with music <laughs> in the future. Wow, that's actually kind of rare to hear someone yeah. say that their parents were into more niche techno yeah. and electronic music. Well, I wanted to start with talking about growing up and your experience with maybe parental influences, because parental influence is such a big part of what you do with your messaging these days. Talking about family and even calling yourself the mom of, <laughs> of, a, of an agency, of a scene. Just for some context, your agency is called Mama Loves Ya, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so there's all of these themes around the ways in which we can support each other uh, in these traditional contexts of family in rave contexts, which are very non-traditional and often are places people go because they have been shunned from their homes or they want to be bad, <laughs> they yeah. want to piss their parents off, or they just need a space to learn how to grow up outside of the restrictions from the home. So. Mm -hmm. It makes a lot of sense now that I know that you had what seems like a very musically adventurous young upbringing. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I um, understand later than when I was speaking with the artist uh, I signed uh, on my label that no one has the connection I had, the special connection I had with my parents, especially uh, regarding music. And so I was, I was like, okay, maybe I should uh, uh, call this uh, this label because I first build and uh, the label and after mm -hmm. the agency, so I called uh, the label Mama Toldia, and I was like, maybe I should call this Mama Toldia like uh, kind of uh, techno electronic family, like and. Uh, break the the rules they they were like at, at this at this moment it was all black and white artwork uh it was like individual uh, career no share sharing no I, I had this feeling so i was like ah maybe i should do the mama things like but yeah yeah, I think there's something to be said for the time in which you entered into the electronic music industry, which was around the 2015s when you released your first record, right? Yeah, exactly. 
And I'm sure now that we know you've been collecting records since long before that, but the time when uh, there were bigger spots and a lot of opening up for lineups to really reckon with the fact that it was such a male-focused genre or industry or DJing was so incredibly male-focused, I can now see how this was, for some people now, looks it might look back and just be a cute name, but at the time, it meant something really important, Yeah, which was that not, there there is space for these matriarchal ideals and there's space for femininity or a like a, a women's uh, perspective on even just the way in which we shape the marketing yeah. of this music. But I mean, since uh, the day one, I always felt that I was a bit um, not different, but I didn't like to follow the the main uh, um, trend. So I was like, and also I, I think now I can speak more clearly about everything, but sometimes you don't know why you are doing it. But now I, I know exactly why Mama, and it's obviously... Uh, the best things uh, for me, like uh, to represent the the, the matriaca, etc. But back in the day, it was also just like, yeah, um, I don't want to do like uh, everyone. Like I want something with a lot of color. I want something pink. I want something like, uh, uh, yeah, with a, a different message. And yeah, they were all male because... Yeah, it's the whole uh, industry is really not working in a good uh, way from my point of view, and we we need to disconstruct to rebuild. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. There's a lot of uh, experimentation and deconstruction that goes into finding new ways of doing things yeah. or uh, continuing to do what you're doing, but yeah. in a way that adapts to the needs exactly. and and the holistic. And sometimes uh, it can activities of others. Yeah, and sometimes it can also be scary for some artists because it's new, and I can understand because that's why it's, it's there the the um, the, um, the advice as a mama like to say like yeah listen it's it's not a big deal <laughs> like yeah it's just like try and if you don't feel uh, it it's it's okay but try something different like this is the yeah this is mama <laughs> so now i want to ask you because i know you're always working on music you've released quite a bit of music in the past yeah. couple of years and you're working on new stuff and i'm curious how you envelop some of these themes into your music are you working on music that talks about specifically what it's like to be a young elder or how to pass on knowledge or how to create these um, supportive ecosystems. How do you how do you put that in a techno? This Mama Toldia label was based on um, building a platform for um, new generation nuts. I didn't want to uh, release like established artists for me. It, it wasn't... Uh, uh, important because I was like I need to uh, get the chance uh, to new generation to have a, a platform for it, and for me also, the this collaboration track on every uh, release, it was a, a good way to share with uh, the new generation, 
and also to get influenced by them it's like they at least as much as they get influenced by me so it's like a loop so i think it's a humble message also for artists like to and i have the feeling always artists like want to get influenced by the past and i don't understand this because i think it's like we should look at forward like it's it's in general like for politics for everything and uh, also for me it was really important so to work with like new artists like to get f- some fresh air <laughs> yeah I, i didn't know that that was um, baked into the label as much as it was so there's always a collaborative track and it's always with you yeah they are doing oh like, my gosh and, you really are the mama <laughs> yeah and uh, back in the day also It wasn't so often like we th- those kind of collaboration. I, that's why also I wanted something like more as an exchange with the artist. It's like the mama again, like the family sh- sharing, and uh, yeah, it's really important for me. This, you know, that's that's something that I think has been. Um especially in independent music, such a big part of people's first releases on a label. Mm-hmm. If uh, the label can see that there's a spark in the artist, but in order for them to build to the quality that the label might hold for a new artist, is it can be a quite a high bar. And if the label head is a musician, then often they will s- spend the time which sometimes can take a long time, you know? Uh, people people work at different paces, especially when they're um, new and worried about what their first song is going to sound like. And that process is very caring. It's about a lot of patience. Yeah. And so I'm, I see all the threads of the thematics of what it takes to uh, be a family member because there's a lot of patience in, <laughs> in family. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Every every collaboration were were was something uh, really specific with uh, who you are doing it, and sometimes it's like it wasn't working in the first uh, uh, row, but uh, we are we were pushing and uh, be patient, as you said. But it's it's really cool. Like I guess it's also and also for me it was like good because. Um, It's uh, my last solo EP was like six years ago. So uh, I really said to myself, okay, I put, I'm putting all my energy in this project. And, um, and that's why also now I'm working on this new album because I wanted to, to, uh, to focus more on, uh, on myself for once. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, It's Mom fun. needs some time for herself, yeah. finally. <laughs> yeah, finally. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'd also like to talk about motherhood and dance music. Yeah. Because often we talk about how the godfathers of house music or the godfathers of techno, a lot mm. of these male archetypes mm. who grow old and pass on the torch or don't pass on the torch. Um, and then they have their the people that they've helped along the way but how does motherhood fit into the modern context of techno and house music and dance music um it's a big question i think 
till now I didn't have the 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 courage and the 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 strength to to speak out because I every time uh, in every uh, Um, interview I had this question about like uh, the woman in electronic music and the play- and I was like yeah it should not be this way because I did I never talked to this media for, uh, this people and they, the first question they had is not about my work but about my position as a woman in mm-hmm. uh, this uh, in this scene and I was I was so upset at some point I was like and I don't understand uh, why they are so focused on this. And it's even like um, to, to talk about it every time, it's like even putting the, the problem like uh, um, in the first uh, uh, row. So I was like, it's not cool. And uh, now I, I don't know, I, I breathe and I, I, I feel more confident to speak and I, I, I have um, also all the experience and uh, what I, um, I experienced so with uh, masculinity and uh, toxic uh, male uh, situation. So I can now really speak uh, is more easily and openly to the, the new generation as there is more and more women in this industry. And... Um, Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes we can be in our little bubbles, especially on social media, and we can be there for each other so much that when we end up out on our own, Mm -hmm. especially for young artists or artists that are very much tied to an identity um, or are experimenting with the way that they express themselves through their sexuality and there are these vulnerable moments out in the world as touring artists and even fans. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it can be very brave to be the queer person or the woman in a crowd going to support another artist that's queer or a woman. But you look around and you're the only one because that's just popularity in music. And those are the moments that... you're really fighting for change. Those are the moments that are so vulnerable that you're actually in danger or feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And and that's really uh, some something that should still be talked about, like you're, like you're saying. There's yeah, been a yeah. lot that's changed. Uh, there's been a lot that's moved forward, but we haven't changed the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, of course. The world still exists in its in its in its uh in some form that is pushing against this change. So that's why it's always good to to speak as a, as a woman. I I really realized this. I didn't realize because I was like, yeah, it's it's all fine and I want to speak uh, other things and yeah, because sometimes it's like also like sometimes you want to speak about music other things because artists know we are asking a lot in general for, from them like to be uh, in, into politics into uh, sustainability into absolutely yeah everything. sustainability politics uh, a lot of stuff other than uh, just purely identity exactly and so gender representation I think it's really good because music it's uh, it's linked to uh, this whole message but just sometimes it's also feel good to just focus on music so yeah 
So what I know you mentioned earlier that you're a very forward thinking person, but what would you say is the oldest old school track that you love to bring into your sets? For me, Miss Keating was like, again, was like a life change. <laughs> like when I heard her track with Diaker, it was like a new world. It was like so good and uh, really, uh, we, we really can find a freedom inside the, the, this kind of track. Like it was like, hell yeah, funny. And uh, I don't know, it was perfect. Absolutely. There is a lot of power in that record. Yeah, power. For me too. Exactly. <laughs> I used to listen to it on CD on to death. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd love to ask also, um, how for other people who might want to take your lead in terms of like creating community, but also a generational understanding of how to support people holistically going forward. Would you say that there are one or two lessons from all the work that you've done that could help people in their in their quest either start an agency that has the the level of complexity that you have or trying to build networks that support each other in the way that you've you've created them? I think it's the new generation really need to to find um their own way to exist, uh, which kind of people you are, what uh, what you want to to show to others, and uh, yeah, I think it's that's it. <laughs> that's <laughs> I love it. I, I I love how much you're encouraging people to not only be themselves but also to break the rules. Yeah, it was <laughs> so so many of these rules like were created family, but fuck family also sometimes. <laughs> you know, it's like I feel that create like chosen family, create your own yeah, family, yeah, exactly. divorce that chosen family if you need to. Yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. never know. It's also like the the same as I said with like. Agency in general, the I think more and more I can see also uh, artists uh, are creating their own agency as we as we we did because it's really important because if you are in this kind of uh, big agency, you don't have the freedom, from my point of view, to realize release what you want to do exactly, and it's just about bookings. And it's not good <laughs> for the creativity. It's not so. It's not okay. Yeah, these days where we have to amass lots of followers and lots of likes to be noticed and to even sell one song. Yeah, there's still value in having a small team or a small family, a yeah. small chosen family, a small rave crew, a small uh, a small amount of people to have big conversations with. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, also me. Uh, in general, I wanted this because when I was touring, I was like feeling super alone. And I was like, maybe it's good to share this with people I really want to be with. And also like, yeah, it's it's better to share in general. So, And so that's why we are doing also a lot of showcase because... It's uh, adding some uh, meaning of uh, what we are doing in general. Well, it's been really meaningful chatting with you. Thank you so much for yeah. taking the time to speak at length with all of the ways in which you're 
constructing your own world uh, that fits <laughs> along with the the values of your family and the future that you want to see for dance music. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much, Anetha. Thank you. It was really cool. <laughs> Thank you, Anitha, and thank you, Otto, for this conversation. And now, let's take a look at the other headlines that matter this week. From the warehouse to the world. We've talked on this podcast before about the trials and tribulations of the warehouse in Chicago, the club where house music got its name. Earlier this year, the building was at risk of demolition before an online campaign led to it receiving protected designation as a historical landmark. Now, the warehouse is coming back as a party series and a touring brand. Warehouse Presents was started by the artist KC Ray alongside Robert Williams, the warehouse's original founder. They plan to throw parties in Chicago and all around the world that share the club and the city's house music legacy. It's great that Williams is getting his flowers and hopefully plenty of ticket sales, while likewise raising awareness of the venue's significance. But even with all the amazing pedigree of the warehouse, is an international party franchise ever really going to be able to transmit that same magic? Still, their intentions are good in an unbalanced industry. As Ray said in a statement to Resident Advisor, the mass appeal of electronic music today has led commercial acts like Beyonce and Drake to win Grammys for their own brand of house music-inspired albums, yet the originators of house hold next to no equity within dance music. Cassie sues and settles with Puff Daddy. Music's Me Too moment is unfortunately not over. Last week, the singer Cassie sued Sean Diddy Combs, a.k.a. Puff Daddy, a.k.a. P. Diddy, accusing him of sex trafficking, assault and more. We're not going to list all of the allegations here, but it's a long, sad list, including mental and physical assault and manipulative and coercive behaviour after Cassie first signed his label, Bad Boy Records. The lawsuit also claims that after Cassie started a relationship with Kid Cudi, Diddy told Cassie that he would blow up Cudi's car. And indeed, Cuddy confirmed his car exploded in his driveway around the same time. But within 24 hours of announcing the lawsuit, lawyers from both sides said that they had reached a settlement. So that was fast. Diddy's lawyer Ben Braffman shared a statement with Pitchfork saying a decision to settle a lawsuit, especially in 2023, is in no way an omission of wrongdoing. But the speed of the settlement definitely should raise some eyebrows. Andre 3000 returns. Andre 3000 of the legendary hip-hop duo Outkast nearly broke the internet when he released his debut solo album, New Blue Sun. It's his first full length since Outkast's Idol Wild in 2006, though don't expect anything in their usual style. Three Stacks doesn't rap at all in this one. Instead, he's credited as playing various digital wind instruments, many different kinds of flutes, pedals, and panther toning on a song inspired by an ayahuasca trip where he said he turned into a panther. You may remember a while back when someone spotted Andre 3000 wandering around LAX airport playing the flute. So Andre the Flautist isn't an entirely unexpected direction for an artist who has always been unpredictable and independent. The full track list and credits highlights collaborators like Carlos Nino, DeAnthony Parks, Surya Botofasina, and Matthew David of Leaving Records, and also cites influences like Laraji, Alice Coltrane, and Pharaoh Sanders. And if you want to get a sense of 3000's full awareness that he's putting something so unexpected into the world, look no further than the track title, I Swear, I Really Wanted to Make a Rap Album, But This Is Literally The Way The Wind Blew Me This Time. Rap or not, it's an album and an artist that's definitely worth your time. 
As a DJ, I love to introduce people to new music, so this week's recommendation is a new EP released by Berlin-based multidisciplinary artist Selassie. The EP is called Retro Future Kid, and I was lucky enough to hear an exclusive preview of it last week before it was released. And I have to say, I was blown away when I heard it for the first time, and I'm not just saying that because Selassie is my friend. I'd never risk my reputation as a DJ by recommending bad music. I'd really recommend this album if you're into the sounds of Frank Ocean, Taming Pilar, or Tyler the Creator. You can find the link to the EP in the show notes, of course. That's all for the week this week. Thank you for locking in. We'll be back here next Thursday. Take care and remember to stop scrolling. The Week is a production by Telecom Electronic Beats and ACB Stories. Stories.